Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wright. And today, we have no Matt, we have no Adam. Adam is getting the second shot of his vaccine, so he's probably going to be on the couch. And Matt, for some reason, has decided to pack up, go to Manitoba, and deal with mosquitoes. Manitoba? Manitoba. Today, we have sitting in as our guest host... Nathan Armour, our team leader from our William Wright commercial office in New West. Nathan, how are you doing today? I'm 10 out of 10, Corey. Happy to be here. So why don't you tell our listeners maybe a little bit more about yourself and how you ended up in this chair today? For sure. Born and raised in East Vancouver. Got into the hospitality industry when I was quite young and kind of worked my way through there. Ended up uh, getting a phone call and joined William Wright back in 2015. I... uh, Spent a lot of my time on the golf course recently. That's uh, one way to get away from this busy city. So I, I call you yesterday yep. to see if you can sit in. And we're having a conversation. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and you're, you're talking to me as if you're sitting at a bus stop. Towards the end of the conversation, you're trying to get me off the phone because you answered my call while you were golfing. Corey, you miss a call from Corey, you miss a listing. I've learned that a long time ago. <laughs> Words to live by. Words to live by. <laughs> so you take my call, and you're, who, who are you golfing with? I'm golfing with my dad. He's probably been addicted to the game for over 30 years. And uh, I only picked it up probably like three years ago. It's a good way to spend time with him, but he does want me to be the next Tiger Woods, and I'm turning 28 pretty soon. So, it's... so let, let, let's unpack that a little bit. Like Your dad's former wide receiver for the BC Lions, Very Grey Cup champion. Yep. Did he get a touchdown at all? He got three. They took one away because you can't have that many in a, in a Grey Cup game. So he almost had a hat trick. So that's, there's some pressure for you to live up to? 100%. And, how, uh, how is Pops at golf? Is he good? I uh, shot 72 just the other day, and he was mad at it. Does he, he, said, does he cheat? Well, he moves his ball every now and then, but he says it's 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 because of the lie, wet condition. Like, Dad, we're playing in the summertime. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's Dad. You don't argue with Pops. So what's going on in the commercial real estate world? It's crazy, man. We've been going back and forth about this. It's a supply and man factor. There's just not enough inventory out there. I don't know if you did you see the Q1 report that came out? I probably briefed it. Sales are up 46%. Give you a quick number here. $2.6 billion traded in the first quarter. It's 576 properties. Commercial real estate trades. 100%. Wow. That's dramatic. So what what drives that number? Why is the number up so much coming out of a pandemic? Well, we just saw how the commercial real estate industry persevered the pandemic. You know, yeah. there was a lot of support from all different sides of groups, and it's too much money to be made to pass it up. So on today's show, we have Imad Yakub, CEO of The Global Group. If you've eaten anywhere in Vancouver, you've eaten at The Global Group. What's your favorite restaurant to go to? Global. What do you mean? Yes, yeah, I'm a coast guy. I'm a coast guy. I get it. Yeah, seafood, phenomenal sushi. Yeah, it's funny. He, I don't want to get into it, but... He started off with a cafe, and now he's got... In Toronto. In Toronto. In Toronto. And now he comes to Vancouver, opens up... Dominates. 
it's a lot of stuff to unpack, but uh, I'm pretty excited. One thing that's, that's great about Matt is he's been very vocal during this time frame on good things government's done, maybe challenges government's put them in, yep. how he's persevered through this. It's a phenomenal interview. And I think to hear firsthand and maybe some of the challenges that, that he went through as a company that had 900 employees going into this, how they persevered, how COVID's changed their industry as a whole, and what the global groups learned from this moving forward that will probably make them a stronger company. Well, that's what he said. He says he's going to be expanding after this. So what does that tell you? So before we get to our interview with that, we have our sponsor. We are sponsored by Impact Commercial. With over 50 years of lending, Impact Commercial, for all your commercial needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. So without further ado, let's get to our interview today with Imad, CEO of the Global Group, Enjoy, guys. Okay, so we're here with Imad Yakub, CEO of the Global Group. This man needs absolutely no introduction. If you've eaten in Vancouver, you've eaten at his restaurants. Imad, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for the introduction. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time. We know you guys are really busy. For our listeners who don't know much about you or the Global Group, which would be surprising if you can find anyone in the city that doesn't, can you maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself and the Global Group? Okay, so originally I was a very young chef in Toronto, one of the top chefs in Toronto in the 90s. Came in into Vancouver to be the executive chef of Joe Fortes, wow. uh, worked there for a couple of years, and then I decided to go on my own. So I went into Toronto. I opened a couple of restaurants. Started with a little coffee shop. It was about $25,000 in investment on my first place. And then things worked very well. So I opened a second one beside it. First one was called Brownstone Bistro. And the other one was Solo on Young. Things developed very quickly. We started getting busy. And that time, my um, ex-wife was from Vancouver. And she wanted to come home to be beside her family. So we decided to move to Vancouver and open Global. That was our first restaurant in Vancouver. That was 2002 when I opened my first place in Vancouver. After that, uh, the ball started rolling very quickly. We opened the Afterglow the year after, then Coast in Yelltown, then Senefir, then Italian Kitchen. Then, then we moved Coast to make a big giant restaurants on Alberni Streets. Then we opened three trattorias. Then the big giant Black and Blue. Then we got a big, huge global underneath Stella's Garden. And the last one that we opened was five sale. Wow. At the Pan Pacific. So altogether plus Nosh and the roof uh, above black and blue, it's about 10 locations. Wow. I can't even remember anymore. But we're, <laughs> uh, we're actually opening three more uh, in the next year. So we're opening a restaurant across from the convention center called Riley's. That's wow. going to be open March next year. We're opening black and blue in Toronto. That's going to be October uh, 2022. And we're opening Trattoria and Walbrook Mall. That's going to be, again, we're hoping probably the end of next year, if it's not the early year after. Wow. So, yeah, we're on a growth path. So it's, it's been a good, good uh, development for the company. Well, one of the biggest reasons why we wanted to have you on today is you're obviously an industry leader. Uh, you're not scared to sort of share your thoughts on it. And obviously, I think we all know that COVID has greatly affected the hospitality industry and the restaurant industry. How has COVID impacted the global group? I mean, what have you learned? Obviously, there's been some challenges there. What does it look like moving forward? When it came in, it came in like a, a storm. Like, you know, you found yourself in, in the eye of the hurricane without anything that prepped you for it. See, the people that they're not in the restaurant business, they don't realize what happened to the restaurant industry. We yeah. got 
decimate it. Imagine you waking up in the morning and you're going to work every day and your job and you have a very good job. You love your job. You have your customers. You're very busy. Everything is great. You're making good money. And then in one day, you have to shut down all your business. No cash flow coming through. By the time you adjust, because you still have all your staffing. I mean, we had 900 staff when this thing hit. Wow. You have to get rid of everybody. So by the time you finish getting rid of everybody, because you can't just shut down the restaurants in one day. So you get the request is, is to be shut down, let's say, by the 21st of March. By the time you shut down your company, you need at least three to four weeks to shut down the company. This is a big, huge company. Yeah. That will creating for us a loss because there's zero revenue now. Yeah. So it's not like I'm planning, you know, like when you hear companies saying, oh, you know, uh, closing down, you still have the chances to create revenues through in the closing time when you announce that. We had to shut down zero revenue and shutting down the company. We were losing $110,000 a day for 40 days straight. Wow. $4.3, $4.4 million we lost in 41 days straight. This made the cash flow, of course. Uh, suppliers all needed to be paid because this is all stuff that were on a 45 days payment plan. So all these bills, it was from January and, and February that needed to be paid in a time where zero revenue. Wow. So that is just me. Now take this time, 50,000 restaurants yeah. across the country. Take this across every single hotel across the country. So this like the pandemic decimated our industry. Everybody it's to survive it, they had to have loans, they have to borrow money, they have to, I had to break it in. We had to uh, use my RSPs as a collateral, like I had to break it into some of my RSPs just to keep things are going. We had to find the loans to get the company back on its foot. But then the minute this happened and we adjusted and we set up a proper plan to survive through that, I think it made our company a lot stronger because it made us through the, the pandemic to be a quite more efficient. And we realized that we had lots of ways. I mean, our head office expenses about $3 million a year. We probably shaved it by half. Wow. So, so this is the things that we needed to do. We needed to take decisions. I mean, do we need two large copiers that cost me 6000 bucks a month or just one copier? You know what I mean? Get rid of one. Do we need to have three floors in our office or we don't need a head office? Everybody on a computer now. Yeah. Would that get back to the real estate question? Because you guys are calling on behalf of a real estate. Is this all these decisions that lots of companies did, including me, like I don't need head office anymore. I'm shutting down my head office. I have my lease. Uh, I'm not extended it. So I have another six months on it. So I'll be shut down the head office in six months. That would save me about $20,000 a month in rent. That's $240,000 a year in saving. Yeah. But how many companies are going to take that decision? Yeah, it's true. That's the part that's scary. Because when I start analyzing our restaurants, big chunk of our business is the lunch crowd. Mm-hmm. So if all these people are not coming back to their offices, what will happen to the real estate office business downtown? If a guy like me doing this, I'm hoping that companies like Amazon and Apple, Microsoft, all these big giant companies, they're trying to grow quite a bit in Canada because they found lots of loopholes in our immigration system, which is perfect for Canada anyway, to bring lots of labor from Eastern Europe and South America, uh, computer uh, programmers, and they got them for a very good price. 
because I know because I I meet lots of these guys from Amazon that the in ours. So the average Amazon person, I think they make over one hundred and twenty thousand in the US US dollars. When here, yeah. it's a lot lower. So they want to bring all these people from overseas because they can get them to uh, they can get their visas in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're obviously very bullish on the office market coming back, and I think that's one saving grace that we're going to find in the city of Vancouver. Is we had such a, a god awful vacancy rate that was so low for tenants trying to get into the marketplace that you know the tech industry is one of our largest drivers of the office market. That I think will be our saving grace moving forward. That the tech industry and like you mentioned, Amazon, that stuff. These companies got larger. That's exactly because what I'm thinking is what they might go is maybe they're not going to get any more off space. But at least their office space right now, they could use this as a flex space. Yeah. So instead of carrying 2,000 employees in, in uh, the post office building, they will carry 4,000 employees. And they just put them on a flex space. Everybody schedule a space if you want to come into the office, but we're still going to keep hiring. So that's, I think, the saving grace. And then after that, maybe they will get some more uh, spaces. Like from what I'm hearing from people, uh, friends of mine in uh, in your business, yeah. still the occupancies and mostly the build because most of the building that coming up, they were already leased, yeah. right yeah. before the pandemic. So nobody's worried about that. You know, uh, it's if any new buildings are coming in, I don't know what's going to happen with it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, how does someone in your position, you know, having so many leases in so many marketplaces, I mean, you go into this pandemic. It's sprung on you. You've got all these financial commitments. Like, how does someone in your position juggle that? Because there's no business model out there that says, hey, go be super successful and then just turn the well off for a year and hopefully you're yeah. still around. But, but that wouldn't, I mean, my biggest mistake that I didn't make um, a video of what I was going through with the pandemic. Like, I mean, I had a two table six footers sitting in, in the middle of one of my restaurants with piles of checks that about a foot high time 12 feet long the two tables time four feet wide are you saying you wish you piles of checks are you saying you wish you did have done a documentary on it yes because it was it was painful it was i used to come in and look at it and oh and tears in my eyes and some days i cry and some days don't know how we're going to do it and i look at my partner uh, and my best friend for years says jack how we're going to survive this Right. We look at our bank accounts and we look at how much we have saved. And I look at my real estate. I decided to sell one of my real estate, like the building that my office was in in Yaltown. Yeah. Because we had a, quite a bit of equity in it. Yeah. And we're saying, is, is, you know, we could always make money. Just we need to survive this. We know how we're going to make money. So uh, we're looking at that building. So if we sell it, we have enough cash to cover the company for about a year. That actually could make us survive out of that. And of course, the minute that the government started doing all the uh, assists, it really helped the industry. That's what kept the industry. That's what kept the industry from collapsing. I mean, if the government didn't do the the payroll assist and the rent uh, subsidies, my belief is is uh, you probably have like maybe five restaurants left. Not even me. Wow. I will not made it. I will not made it if we didn't have the government assistance. Wow. Like the government assistance saved. Everybody saved everybody. And I understand where it come from because from their direction is they were going to pay this money like it or not on unemployment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. if these people are staying at home, we're, they were going to give them unemployment. So what they did, the government said, is, is instead of paying them that the unemployment, we're going to give exactly the same amount we we're going to do it for unemployment, give it to the business to keep them in. So here we are, start running in our payroll saying, okay, we're getting 50% of our payroll back. We could keep all these people on payroll. 
right? Yep, uh, yep. And if they stayed home, that's exactly the same number that it was going to cost to the government. So it was it was a win-win for everybody. Besides shaving your expenses, what have you seen or what have you learned from this experience? And how is that going to make the global group you know, better going forward? Well, the problem now is from me and everybody in Vancouver, lack of staffing. It is crazy. It is crazy. My night cleaner, I was walking out of my restaurant yesterday and she was walking in. She started crying to me. She said, hey, man, I can find staff. I have never paid more than 16 bucks an hour. I'm offering 22 and I can find them. Wow. I can't find them. I don't know what to do. I'm working seven days a week and I don't want to lose your business, right? If I don't do a good job, but I can't find staff. I, I looked at her and said, Gloria, she's been with me for years. She's been doing my night cleaning. I said, Gloria, you know what? I will have patience with you because I'm going through the same thing. I have function that has been offered to me right now, big functions yeah. that normally I wouldn't even think twice. One of them is this, one of the big corporate companies want to do meals for East Side. Yep. And you want to do like almost 30,000 meals. I mean, normally I jump on these just because of I want to feel good on it, right? Like of it's, course. It, I don't make any money on it. Like it's, I make a 30,000 meals, I'll be lucky if I made 5,000 bucks. Well, well, that's that take about six months worth of work, right? To make yep. 5,000 bucks. It's not worth it from a profit perspective. It's but the giving back that counts. I, but, but I would do them just because it's good for the staff morale and good for everybody, right? Now my problem is I can't find staff. I'm sitting in, uh, before your phone call, I was sitting in with one of my chefs and saying, I don't have staff to make it. I said to him, I'll come and give you a hand, me as being a chef. So here I'm in the CEO, I'll come and give you a hand once a week. And we could maybe swing every, uh, uh, me and give me one person, I could swing this 200, 300, 400 meals a week. I will, I'll do it in one day, no problem. But that means that I have to take one day of my schedules every week to do it. And now we're debating is this is going to make sense for the companies, right? Like to take the CEO out of the floor for one day a week to be in the kitchen. Yeah. It's very difficult to find staffing. And that's, I think, what's slowing down the growth of anybody that want to grow right now. Since reopening, how has it been? Like, have you guys seen a, a dramatic increase, obviously? Yeah, yeah. The business starts. So we're about almost 80% return to uh, regular business. Wow. I mean, the other 20% is the tourism. There's no tourism yeah. in the cities, right? So that's the extra cover that we get. And the lunch business that lots of people still not in their offices. But people are going out on at night. People are out on the weekends. Like the weekends, is, it's completely packed. It's just uh, the weekdays are extremely difficult right now to get people in uh, for lunches because yeah. the offices are empty. I mean, uh, it's understandable. I mean, the Talas Garden used to have like 3,000 people working in that building. We'll probably be lucky if we have like 400 people. So it's wow. not even, yeah. So where, where does the industry go from here? Obviously, you I mean, from an industry standpoint and you being a leader in that industry, what, what happens to the industry moving forward? The, the cost is going to go up. It's going to go up quite a bit. So the price is going to go up. So it's going to be a big, huge inflation. There's no choice. The price of the product we're getting is coming quite expensive because they're paying their staffing a lot more to keep staff. Mm-hmm. We're paying our staff about 15, 20%. So the minute just to reopen the restaurants, we give all our staff about 20% increase in the back of the house. Wow. So that 20% have to come from somewhere. Yeah. So it has to come in for our price to have to raise our price. So every dish has to go up by a dollar, two dollars somewhere to pay for it, right? Like, yeah. I mean, we don't make any profit. We just want to subsidize that because we work in the penny business. People don't realize that when you walk into a restaurant that could have 500 covers in it and packed, people thinking that we're packing bags of cash and walking out of the back door. <laughs> you don't realize that after pay everything, you'd be lucky if you break even for that day. Yeah, because no, the Sunday it. night, 
because the Sunday night has been dead. So it take out all the profit you made you make on a on a Saturday night. You mentioned earlier about it sounds like your first venture into the Fraser Valley market there with Willowbrook. What was uh, yeah. I mean, what was the deciding factor being primarily maybe a downtown company to go that out that way? Because we know that our trattoria, we built it that concept to go out to the valley and to go out to neighborhoods. It's supposed to be made for neighborhoods and outside of downtown Vancouver. The big restaurants with the big glamours are downtown Vancouver because that's where people want to go. And then the casual little bit, uh, uh, you know, what are we going to eat tonight, honey? Oh, let's go to our trat. You know, it's a great uh, it's a great neighborhood place. You go in, have a nice pasta, a glass of wine, and you're at about $40 per person. It's a lot cheaper than cooking from at home. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's it's made for this environment, and this is that's why we're looking at to to move down to to get there. Do you have further expansions to go into the Fraser Valley with different concepts? As yeah. Well? No, it's it's that that concept. We're thinking we want to open another five of them in wow. uh, around around. So uh, one goes to Surrey, couple in Burnaby, and then we start to taking it from there. It's almost like a cactus or Joey's, like yeah. how they yeah. have them. That's the same way we want to look at it. Well, I, I've eaten at your restaurants quite often, and if uh, if Coquitlam's on your list, there, I can I can tell you right now, I'll be a I'll be a guest at your restaurant the first day you open. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, the staff will know you on a first name basis. <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier too about Toronto, and one thing we've seen sort of a trend over the past decade is companies like you mentioned earlier, Joey's and Cactus, yourself and that stuff, opening in Toronto. I mean, it seems like a lot more companies that do well in Vancouver also look to Toronto. Why is there such a migration that way from companies out west? It's a very simple, it's a, it's a, it's a volume of, of people. I'm a Torontonian, right? Yeah. So I'll give you the simplest example. What I'm putting black and blue is going to be in the TSX. So it's the perfect location in, in, in Toronto. What, what would be the TSX compared to Vancouver? Like where would you situate? Uh, it's the center stage. Okay. The, the center stage in, in Toronto is King Street. So yeah. I'll be beside King Tap. Now the TSX is the perfect location for us. We're going to put black and blue. That building alone have about 20,000 people working in it. Wow, wow. The same 20,000 people, you take them, you fill up every single tower in downtown Vancouver, uh, the five dentals. Dental yeah. one, two, three, and four, and five. That's not even 20,000 people in it, right? Yeah. So that's one building. What's the capacity I'm of that sorry. restaurant going to be? It's going to be close to the size of black and blue. So it's going to be a 220 seat inside plus a beautiful large body. Almost nice. 300 seat restaurant. So it's just me, Torontonian, understand Toronto very well. And I always wanted to come home, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was in Toronto for 15 years before I came to Vancouver. So it's very important for me to go back to Toronto. I've been trying for a long time. The question is, is I'm not going to open in Toronto unless I get the center ice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I yeah. get the center ice, because it allowed the company to grow and open more restaurants there. Yeah. We got center ice. Then we could start opening our Italian kitchen after that and then followed by global and and maybe trattorias, but we have to start with center ice first. Do you see further expansion in Ontario more so than you do BC for future concepts? It's the volume of people. Yeah. You got 17 million people in Ontario. Yeah. 18 million, 40% of the economy of Canada, right? So if we do it right, that's the growth for the company. Yeah. The reason that there is no amalgamation because you ask that question from the east to the west, they came to check it out. I know them all. I know every single top restaurant tour in in, on, in Toronto, they came into Vancouver, they look at our prices, look at our real estate prices, and they said, yeah. there's no way we're going to make money because the real estate in Toronto is a lot lower. The price is a lot higher. It's straight to the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm charging, like, uh, give you a simple example. The steak in black and blue today is about $69. Yeah. 
for a strip loin. Okay. The same steak, the same steak, exactly, from the same supplier, because I know the supplier, the same steak in Toronto, in the same style of restaurant, is $89. 89 Wow. That's $20 more. And they're paying less rent than us. So win-win. So win-win. So what happens to the restaurant industry out here, say, over the next five years? Do we continue to see more casualties of the smaller ones that unfortunately aren't going to make it through and the strong will survive? We're not going to know what's going to happen until the, until the credits stop. Yeah. Because still, I think there's lots of them are using the credit to just keep it completely slowed. Yeah. Right? So the minute that the credits stop, we're going to see what will happen to all these places. Because that's where we could see a flux of staffing coming back to the workforce and maybe lots of small places that will, will, will snap. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was passing by Global earlier this morning and noticed the beautiful garden patio out there. Do you oh, think yeah. there's a lot more emphasis now from an operator standpoint yes. of putting emphasis on patios? Yes, I just put up $195,000 for this patio. Just renovated it, just wow. finished it. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, it looked look gorgeous, yeah. yeah. So that was the, the same thing I did it. I did it on the roof of black and blue, and it was so popular. Yeah. So we decided to do it again. So we did it, and now we're starting on ours for Italian Kitchen. We're going to finish it in two weeks. Wow. Is there any parts of the city that you know, maybe you're trying to avoid for future expansion? And maybe I'll just use Yale Town as an example, maybe where you were before, but you're not there yeah. now. Is there areas that this well, doesn't I mean, work? You're, you're trying, like, I mean, Yale Town, it's always been great. It's busy. But yep. the reason I left Yale Town, because when I came into Yale Town, it was, we were five of us, five different restaurants. We did not compete with each other. We had our own client base and we were doing so, so, so well. Yeah. 10 years later, 60 restaurants. So the people that were coming into Yaletown, the tourists that are walking into Yaletown, now there's no longer where, oh, this restaurant looked great and the flower looked great. I have 60 choices. Yeah. Well, well, that take that extra table on the line that we used to have. That doesn't mean that we were not busy, but we were not having a lineup anymore. So the lineup is what create that extra, this is where you make the profit in. You know what I mean? Yeah. That extra 10% of the growth. People see our restaurant, you know, the restaurant is packed. Yeah, but you know what? You used to have an extra four tables waiting in the lounge, waiting for a table. That was what is the profit. Yeah, that makes you know sense. What I mean? So the minute we start to realize our process is dropping because the Yale Town got get bigger and bigger and bigger and the rent is going up, I said, no, it's time for us to move somewhere else. Is there any parts in the downtown core that you currently don't occupy that are on your radar that you'd like to get restaurants into? Uh, well, the one was the convention and we're going yeah. into it. We're going to it. That's we think it's going to be one of our biggest restaurants too. And whereabouts in the once. convention center are you guys? Uh, it's the deal is signed, but we, I can't announce it yet because I would take away the marketing boom. Gotcha. That's so fair. It's That's somewhere fair. around the convention. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful location. I bet. It's a chop house. We're building a chop house, an American chop house. Wow. To be continued. We're we're looking yeah. forward to that. Okay. So where's the global group twenty years from now? How big does the global group get? And do you expand outside of Ontario and Vancouver eventually? Maybe well, well uh, my goal in the next five years is to double the company. Wow. So that's my goal. We have another three project that, that it's a big project. Was actually We signed, we kind of signed. Like it's a, it's a handshake between me and the owner of the hotels. Yep. Toronto Food and Beverage of a full complex. But the reason we didn't want to do it yet, because we were going to do it before, the, believe it or not, uh, May last year. Then the okay. pandemic hit. When the minute the pandemic hit, everything went on, on hold, yeah. right? So we're waiting until the pandemic's done, and he's waiting until the pandemic's 
done because it was a big deal with a big, huge expansion for our company and ex- and for them, the price tag of what we're going to be paying for it. Yeah. So we said we're going to have to all wait until the pandemic is finished. We still shake hands. We still see each other often to discuss it. So that's going to be a big, huge thing. I can't talk about it yet, but could be launched in the next by beginning of next year, I think. Lots of exciting news to come. Imad, we we really appreciate your time. We have we have a what we call the MLG six pack, six lighthearted questions we ask all of our guests, so people kind of get to know you a little bit out of the workspace. Do you have about two more minutes for us? Go ahead. Okay. So our MLG six pack is brought to you by McKinnis Law Group for all your commercial legal needs, for commercial closings to commercial leases. Please visit them at McKinnisLaw.ca. All right, Imad. First question up: favorite movie. Oh, uh, old, well, Godfather, uh, a couple of them, Godfather, Classic, yeah. Gladi- Gladiator, you know. That's, <laughs> the good ones. Yeah. The good ones. The Longest Day in the War, that was a very classic from very early days. Yeah. And Once and Up and a Time in the West, wow. that was the Western. Okay. A good choice. Next one for you, Matt. Book to recommend that you've recently read. Ooh, I I don't remember the name, but it was about Disney. It's about what made Disney Disney. Disney is incredible, in my opinion. It's the best company would come to service. Was was that the autobiography? Uh, no, it's about uh, running the, Disney itself, like Disneyland. Wow! Of how to make the staff believe in the magic of Disney. Wow! Because you walk into Disney, everybody's happy and smiling, and you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're drinking the coolies. I was, yeah. I was, I was. I thought it was tequila. No. I thought they just gave them a tequila <laughs> shot before they started. Everyone's smiling. Uh, next question for you. You probably don't get a lot of time off, but when you do, where's your favorite vacation spot to travel to? Oh, I love Miami. Love my. I would love Miami. to go on a restaurant in Miami because I'm in the West Coast. It's always feels very far. Yeah, I'm going in actually the end of the month. But if I get a chance, I would love to own a restaurant in Miami. Yeah, but- I love Miami because I could walk everywhere. Yeah. Well, you, you'd be a tax write-off to go down there and check on it every now and then, so you could probably travel more often. Yeah. We got one for you here. Uh, favorite band or song brings a smile to your face? Band, band is, of course, the, I'm an older person who would be the Beatles. The Beatles. Beatles. Good one. Yeah. First one, first one. I could, 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 could line up any song that he did. You know, uh, and... Uh, uh, yeah, like it's there yesterday. Any, any of them, right? Uh, hey, Jude, any of them. I mean, I'm always playing the Beatles in my car. That's, that's awesome. It's the first time we've had that one. Yeah. Next one real quick is, is famous quote or inspirational quote or words you live by. Uh, yeah, who was it? I don't think it's uh, Warren Buffett or Steve Sharp that said, don't ever complain. There's not enough time in your day you have exactly the same 24 hours that Albert Einstein had or uh, Fasco da Gama or any of these major people that changed the world. So don't ever say, I don't have enough time in my day. It's They, they all had the same 24 hours. So true. So true. Yeah. Lastly, a piece of advice you would maybe give somebody looking to enter there and we'll kind of tailor it to your industry, maybe someone who's looking to enter the restaurant business. Well, it doesn't matter what business this is. My piece of advice is as simple as that. If you don't love your love your job, if you don't love your job, that's not the thing that you want to do. Hmm. If you want to be successful in any type of a business, you have to love it. Never look at your watch when you're at work. I, my, my biggest problem is, as I always say, I want 50 hours a day because I could stay at work for 50 hours and I would not be bored. So that's, I think, the, the if you love your job, 
ours will fly away and the business will will do well and will reward you. But you have to love your job. Wherever the job is, just have to love it. Otherwise, it's not the change. So true. I remember I remember growing up, someone told me that if you uh, if you chase a paycheck, you'll only be good. But if you chase your passion, you'll be great. Yeah. And yeah. It's, uh, it's so true. Imad, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. How can our listeners find out more about the Global Group and what, what you guys are doing? Just check us out on website, uh, globalgroup.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Imad, for your time. Global, of course, spelled G-L-O-W-B-A-L. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Imad. We really, really appreciate it. Okay. Great. Thanks so much, Imad. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there you have it, folks. Our interview with Imad Yakub, CEO of the Global Group. Phenomenal interview. It's, it's amazing to hear kind of the challenge that they went through as, as an industry leader and then how this has sort of changed them moving forward. And, and it made your expansion to Toronto. I had no idea how much bigger the draw was in Toronto than it was Vancouver. I was very aware of the population size, but how he, he sort of coins it with like 20,000 people literally above a future black and blue. I love how he's charging $20 more for a steak over there. That costs less. <laughs> no wonder why. Yeah, you can see and you can see from a real estate standpoint too that, that retail rates and prime locations over here are just so expensive that to go over into a marketplace that there over in Toronto where it's probably not as expensive as Vancouver and you have a much larger pool to draw from, yeah. you can see why a lot of restaurant companies, whether it be Joey's or Cactus or Earl's or the Global Group and all that stuff, that are expanding into Ontario. The one thing I thought was really interesting, you said how people from Ontario came out here to look at it, and we're just like, nah. That nah, we're crazy. We're good. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. How quickly can we get back to Toronto? <laughs> I thought it was a great interview. I, I was pretty touched when you started talking about how you wanted to do a documentary. You had 900 checks on a desk there. Could you Could you imagine? Well, I think one thing, too, going into this is people probably, like, I don't want to say underestimated is the word, but they probably didn't think it was going to be as long as it was True. and going into a you know a, someone like you mad there who's got some of the most prime locations in the city yep. they're not small restaurants some of those restaurants are multi level i couldn't imagine you mean what he probably went through going into that i think coming out of it as he mentioned there too that they feel they're going to be a better company a stronger company from this yep. i think looking 10 years down the road looking back at this i don't want to say it was a good thing that happened to them but they're probably going to be a lot better at what they do because of it and it could maybe help them further expand the company even larger than he sort of anticipates well exactly he says he wants to double it by now yeah the so. beatles you can't go wrong with the beatles now i can't name a song cuz i don't want to give my age out but uh Oh, well, hey, June. Hey, June, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's July, but that's a good try. We don't want to give your age out, but just so everyone knows that you actually don't even qualify to get the vaccine based on your age. So. I'm, pretty, I'm a, <laughs> a low so age gap. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, how can our guests find out more about Nathan Armour and what you guys are doing over there at William Wright Commercial in New West? For sure. Give us a quick look on the uh, the website, williamwright.ca. You guys can find our New West category over there. Um, we have some exciting news. I don't want to spoil that over the, the mic here, but... Some big stuff cooking up over in the Tri-Cities right now. You said Tri-Cities. Is there a reason why you said Tri-Cities? That's all I'm going to say, Corey. All right. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Subscribe today.